we come to a time of prayer this morning, and as I pray, we'll be praying for Ukraine and that there might be peace in that land. Let me pray. God, we come before you. We are thankful that we're able to gather here in this place. God, we're thankful that you, who are the creator of all things, do love us. That you are, indeed, as the song said, wild about us. God, we come this morning gratefully receiving your affection for us. God, we come acknowledging this world and its evils. God, we come acknowledging that we contribute to that. God, we come acknowledging that we are in great need of your guidance. We are in great need of your spirit. God, we think now particularly of the land in Ukraine and the violence that is taking place there. God, we come before you imploring you that there might be peace among those people. God, that the differences might be resolved without the killing of one another. God, we come to you this morning with anguished hearts as we have seen the violence done to other people. God, we come with you, God, especially grieved as we have seen many non-combatants brought into the harm that is done there. God, we come imploring you, let there be peace. Let your peace abound in that place, God. God, we come knowing it is a work only of you that would make that happen. Through the power of people, such things are not possible. But God, through you and the work of your spirit, we call upon you and your miraculous power, God, that there might indeed be peace. We bring all this before you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. As we come to our time, uh, our message this morning, um, I just want to tell you about an uh, experience I, I had yesterday. And so I, um, this not part of our, our sermon, but I had a uh, help with the uh, Veterans Advisory Board uh, here in the city, and uh, they were dedicating a spot over by El Pond to Bill Forbes, who was a man uh, who lived in the city and helped out a number of ways. Did, did anyone here know him or work with him on some things? So um, he was involved in a number of uh, different things and also uh, served our country in Vietnam. So as part of the, the preparations uh, for that, had a chance to uh, talk with his son about, about his dad. And um, his dad wa was a, a man of service, but also a man of great faith. Um, and uh, regularly helping out and attending at St. Mary's. And he, he told me his dad's uh, motto, he lived by these words, that every day is an opportunity to do great things. And I uh, thought, wow, what a good way to live your life. And um, uh, so hopefully you find those words encouraging for you, that indeed every day is an opportunity to do great things. And the reason that's possible is because God is working through us. Today, we are talking about the job requirements for an ambassador. And um, as I mentioned at the uh, start of our time, uh, we're going to talk today about being a brand ambassador. In other words, a brand ambassador, someone who promotes a particular good or brand, as the, the name there indicates. I was looking up a job description for a brand ambassador, because this is something that you could apply for. Um, if, if you're looking for work and you, you feel a calling to this, um, th these are jobs out there. Um, so here, here's the job description for a brand ambassador. A brand ambassador is employed by a company or organization to help raise brand awareness and increase sales. 
They complete a variety of tasks ranging from promoting products or services in-store to implementing marketing strategies. They are also known as influencers. So it's uh, similar to, um, as you may have heard the term, of a social media influencer. And uh, yeah, that is indeed a job, and it's similar to that. People who are making this brand go forward. Uh, but as we know, we're, we're not here to promote brands, and we're not here to increase sales. We are here to tell people about Jesus Christ. And uh, the challenge for you today, will you? I, I, I'm not even really asking you today if you will be a brand ambassador. I'm just kind of assuming that you are. Uh, right or wrong, I'm just going to make that assumption that we are going to be brand ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Our first reading today is going to come from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and uh, ver- um, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Let me read that passage for us. So from now on, we regard no one as wor- from a worldly point of view, but we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that Christ was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. First thing that we're looking at is this idea of this new creation, that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. Now, creation from a biblical standpoint refers to a work of God. So anytime you hear the creation or creating or creator, it's all going to push us to our understanding of God. Because, see, when it comes to making things, people have the ability to make things. People have the ability to take these different variety of things and put those together in particular ways so that something is made from those. From those. But God, only God creates because God is the one who makes those goods that we use for other things. God is the one who brings those into existence. So God as creator brings something into existence that did not exist otherwise. We're going to read a verse together. This is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Let's read this. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Us, we are indeed the new creation. And it is not through our own effort, but entirely a work of God that allows that to happen. Our sole requirement to be a part of this new creation is that we need to be in Christ. It doesn't come through our ability. It doesn't come through our worth. It's not something that we earn. It is something that we receive from God. We receive from trusting our God that we might be, indeed as is described here, in Christ. It comes through us saying the simple phrase, 
God help me. Here's the challenge for us, though. Here's the challenge. We are a new creation who likes the old life. We fail to embrace this new life, this new creation that God has offered us. This old life lingers there and calls out to us. It looks attractive. This old life says, come, do this. This will be better for you. You will enjoy it more. And we live in our old life. We live as slaves to our fears. We define our existence by the fleeting trappings of this world. Money, pleasure, power, entertainment. Rather than allowing ourselves to embrace the fullness of the new creation that God offers us. We see a biblical example of this as it comes to us out of the book of Exodus. And we follow the people there who have been freed out of Egypt in this miraculous way. And they are called after their great salvation story that they have out of Egypt to enter the promised land. But it takes them a while. It takes them a while to live out that new life that God has offered them. In fact, it will require a whole new generation to emerge. Because for 40 years, these people are left to wander in the wilderness. And soon these children born in the wilderness grow up. And they find themselves on the cusp of the promised land, ready to enter the place that was promised to the generation before them. We're going to read part of the passage out of Joshua. And we are going to find this group of people on the cusp of the promised land that has been offered to them so long ago, ready to fulfill the new life that God has offered to them. Let me read for us. I'm going to be reading out of Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. Pause for a moment there. So Gilgal sounds like the word rolling in the language that it was written in. And so that is the connection between rolling and Gilgal. Continuing on. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. They were no, there was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. So what has taken place in this passage is the people are celebrating the Passover. And the Passover is their salvation story. And they're remembering how God has delivered them some 40 years ago. And they remember the great work of God. But also in the story, we find that the manna stopped. So the manna was their food in the wilderness. It was God's provision for them in this interim time. As a new creation, they were called to be people who would eat the produce of the promised land. This land, as it was described in the Bible, as flowing with milk and honey, which always seemed a strange description to me of a land 
but it meant it was a good place and there was going to be many crops. But it took them 40 years, 40 years to rid themselves of the chains of their old life. And as we we think and look at this story, let's not lament the 40 years it took. Let's embrace the transformation that took place. Sure, it seems like it took them longer than it should have. But they made it. They made it. They entered the promised land and they ate of the produce. And they were finally free of the wilderness. And no longer did God need the manna to keep them going. As we think into our own lives, and what does that mean for us? If we are going to enter our promised land, we must rid ourselves of the old life. But evil is evil. Evil is evil, and it constantly seeks to define us by our failures. And it tells us you can't do it. You're not ready to embrace that new life. But God is saying to us, embrace the journey that you're on. Because on your journey, there will be ups and downs. On your journey, there will be moments of success, but also on your journey, there will be moments of failure. And as God looks to us, he says, keep your eye on the end. Keep your eye on the promised land. Don't let discouragement creep in. Because that's what evil tells us. Evil tells us you can't do it. God tells us we always can, that our journey lies ahead. Think, Think of this an image for you today as we think of our journey with God. It's a little bit like there's a, there's a stairway and it's headed up to heaven. It's headed up to that promised land that God calls us to. And as we begin to climb those stairs towards God, there will be moments that we find ourselves walking down. Some steps. And we'll walk down for a while. It could be a long while. Could be a short while, but we'll walk. But then we want to be able to say, but I'm going back up and I'm going to keep going back up. And our journey, as we follow our journey with God, it looks an awful lot like up and down, up and down, up and down. And as you think of any change that you've ever tried to implement in your own life, that's exactly how the change took place. We never just flip a switch and then all of a sudden life is just like we wanted. We're doing exactly what we, we had hoped we would do. No. We go through moments of, I've got it, I don't. I've got it again, I don't have it. And the evil around us wants to discourage us as, it, as we head down those steps. And they say, look, look, you didn't make it. You're going the wrong way. You're no better than you ever were. But God says, no, 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 keep, keep coming this way. Keep taking those steps forward. And God says, look over your full journey. Your full journey. Look from where you started. And hopefully as we've gone up and down and up and down, as we find ourselves wherever we are today, we might look back and say, I started somewhere down there. And I've made it to here. Because our spiritual life is a long journey with God. There aren't instant changes. They are gradual. The reality is is that we are on a long journey with God. 
And on this journey, there is constant reconciliation that needs to take place. I'm going to read a passage for us. And I want you to see which word do you hear repeated. This is a great tool for understanding the Bible. Is that when you look at a passage, see what word constantly comes up. And you probably already know what word it's going to be since I just highlighted the word reconciliation and mentioned the word reconciliation. So uh, you know, maybe you can pretend like you don't know it's going to be that. But that's, that's probably going to be it. All right, let me read for us. This is going to be 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, uh, verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled of the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Four times, two verses, the word comes up. And actually it will come up a couple of verses later as well. Reconciliation. We need this because there is a break in our relationship with God, and that break has come because of sin. We have sin in our life that has separated us out, and we need to be reconciled. The relationship needs to be repaired. And when we come to the idea of reconciliation, we often think of it in human terms. So maybe we think of it in a marital relationship or perhaps between siblings or perhaps between close co-workers. And as we come to this idea of what does reconciliation look like in our human terms, there's always, it requires both parties, doesn't it? It's always, hey, I, you know, I'm sorry I did this, you know, and even though you really think this person over here is way more at fault, this person over here would be like, I'm sorry I did that. And usually as we come to this reconciliation, we find that, that both parties carry some guilt in this, maybe not equal guilt, but both parties carry some guilt. And as a result, both parties are necessary for this reconciliation to take place. But when we are reconciled with God, that is not what we have described here. We have God described as reconciling with us. We just simply need to receive it. We see in verse 18, it says, God who reconciled us to him. God did the work. God did all of it. 100% God. There's a break in the relationship, but God's like, I got it. I'll fix that for you 100%. You don't need to do a thing. Essentially, all we need to do is say thank you. We see in verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself. So for us, question is, if we have a broken relationship with God, who is to blame? Well, it's not God. It's not God. And, and that's actually really encouraging to us. Because if we have a broken relationship with God, and then people in the course of our life, right, we talked about that journey of life. And the, the journey of your life, at some point, you're going to experience that. And you're going to think in that broken relationship, and you're going to see it. And the good thing of knowing that it's not God, who's broken the relationship, that, that it's you, is that you can solve it. You've got the fix. If God just abandoned us, then we're just abandoned, and there's nothing we can do. But if we know God is always reconciling, then we know that we have the fix. The problem is indeed repairable. I have a little story to tell you. It comes from Elizabeth Barrett. 
who is a 19th century Victorian poet. And um, perhaps uh, you, you know this line. This is a line that I knew at first. How do I love me? Lo Sorry, let me say that again. That was, was a terrible poetic reading, wasn't it? How, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. And so that is a line that comes from her. Um, I would advise if you're ever going to quote that to another person, try not to have an extended pause at the end of let me count the ways. And so she, in her life, secretly marries Robert Browning. And the reason that she secretly marries him is that her father had forbid all of his children to marry another person. He wanted to keep them at home. And so Robert Browning is another poet, and they write these little poems back and forth, and, and they eventually decide they must be married, despite the father's objections. So indeed, they secretly are married. And Elizabeth Barrett becomes Elizabeth Barrett Browning. And then her father's reaction, that he disowns her, completely casts her out of his life. But she as a writer, and plus it's 19th century England, begins to send letters to the father. Letters of reconciliation. Letters of trying to repair the relationship that has been broken. And what happens to those letters? He sends them back to her unopened never even opened it. And if he had opened it, he would have seen that they were efforts at reconciliation. Do you need reconciliation with God? I want you to know God is sending you letters. He's reaching out to you right now. You just need to open it and read it and accept it. As I was speaking, I was telling you about God's reconciliation and how that's possible for your life. And, and why was I doing that? Why was I doing that? You could say, yeah, that's because that's your job, and that would be true. That would be true. But I was doing that because I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. I'm a brand ambassador for Jesus Christ, just as you are called to be a brand ambassador for Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment. We are going to read uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. Let's read this together. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And our message to the people that we reach is be reconciled to God. I began by reading you a job description. If you were going to be a brand ambassador, that was going to be your everyday job. I'm going to give you a job description now as a brand ambassador for Jesus Christ. As ambassadors for Christ, we are employed by God to help raise awareness and increase sales of the message of God's reconciliation through Jesus Christ. We are tasked with promoting 
and marketing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We are influencers, and we should utilize all available ethical means to accomplish our task. You're employed. Huge. This, this is like your job training. This is like your, your, you know, you start a job and they teach you about the company and the things you need to know and things you're not supposed to do. So, so this is it. You, you have now, you've now gone through your job training and you are employed as a brand ambassador for Jesus Christ. And my challenge for you t- uh, today is this week, this week, will you take one action, one action that will advocate for the reconciliation that is available through the work of Jesus Christ. Will you, for someone out there, let them know that God is a reconciling God through the work of Jesus. And, and, and because you're employed, I, I've got a little something for you today. I've got a little something for you. So I'm actually, uh, during our song, I'm going to walk around and, and I hand you this. I'm handing you your business card. I made you a business card. And, and and it's got your job title on it. It's got your job title, you know? And, and so, you know, this, this week, you know, it's, it's, someone's like, hey, what do you do? I've got my business card. There, there it is. There it is. You might, you might need to, like, put your name on the back, you know, and your contact information and that kind of thing. Um, but, but I'm going to walk around and hand you your, your business card business card. And, and I was realizing there might be some awkwardness, you know, you're like, oh, I don't want it. I don't, so uh, I, I, I don't know. We'll figure that out. Um, but I, but I, I hope you will take it um, and take it with, with the affection that I mean, um, as we understand our role as advocating for Jesus Christ in this world around us. And, and the great thing is, the great thing is, is that wherever you are in life, whoever you are in life, whatever your journey may be, Whatever victories you have, whatever failures you may have, we know that God has equipped you to serve him in this world. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing. We are always qualified because of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Let's take a moment now and we will reflect upon uh, this message together. Let's quietly reflect together.